Welcome to Infoblox Threat Talk, where you'll find the latest thinking on how to tap the full potential of the cloud while making your network more reliable, secure, and automated. Welcome to Threat Talk, a new podcast series from Infoblox. My name is Peter Schof, and I've been covering IT security for going on 15 years. In this series, we're setting out to map the current cybercrime threatscape. With the help of both experts and hackers, we're digging into what threats companies are facing today and exactly what companies need to do to combat those threats. Today, we're going to talk about the DNS Flag Day, which was a very important day for the internet that took place last year in 2019. And it went so well, another Flag Day is scheduled for 2020. The expert joining me to talk all about this is Cricket Lou. Cricket is one of the world's leading experts on the domain name system, which is the DNS, and serves as a liaison between Infoblox and the DNS community. Before joining Infoblox, he founded an internet consulting and training company, Acme Byte and Wire, after running the HP.com domain at Hewlett Packard, which must have been a pretty big deal. Cricket is a prolific speaker and author, having written numerous books, including DNS and The Bind, one of the most widely used reference books in the field, which is now currently in its fifth edition. So, Cricket, first of all, it's an honor to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Peter. So last year, February 1st, 2019, was the first DNS Flag Day. What can you tell me about it? Exactly what does that mean? Well, the DNS Flag Day, the first one now, I, I guess it was like the Great War. <laughs> <laughs> now we think of it as the first one. But that came about because a group of developers of DNS servers and operators of DNS services on the internet banded together and said, look, we've been carrying this, this kind of tech debt for a while. And if we all gather together, we can basically say, we're going to remove these old accommodations for old software and make the internet work better. So that's what they did. They they sort of drew a line in the in the sand, and they said, as of uh, February first, twenty nineteen, we're going to begin to remove these things. So, hey, be on notice, those of you out there who have these uh, old DNS servers that we've been accommodating, we're no longer going to keep accommodating you. So you mentioned a tech debt. Can you just give me a quick history of what that means? You know, with the history of the DNS and why was this change necessary? Yeah, sure. So. Way back in, gosh, I think it was 1999, the Internet Engineering Task Force published an RFC that extended the way that the original domain name system worked. So the original domain name system dates back to the mid-1980s, like you know, 1983, 1984. So roughly 15 years later, 16 years later, they said, hey, we need to, to do some extensions to this. So they came out with this thing called EDNS0 which basically stands for extensions to DNS. In the uh, specifications for eDNS0, it says, look, if there are old DNS servers out there and you send them a query that uses this eDNS0 stuff, these DNS servers are supposed to come back and, and respond with some sort of an error. It could be something called a format error. It could be something called a server failed there are different possibilities. I think only one of them is actually acceptable in the RFC document, but there are multiple possibilities. Unfortunately, there were some old DNS servers that if they got one of these queries with this special eDNS zero information, they would simply not respond at all. They would just... <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing at all. And in order to accommodate 
those old, somewhat broken DNS servers, newer DNS servers, when when querying them, they would have to send the query using eDNS zero, and they would wait, and then they would try again if they didn't hear back without the eDNS zero information. So that doesn't sound like that big a deal, you know. Maybe you wait a few seconds in order to hear back. But think about this: if a DNS server sent a query to another DNS server that simply wasn't responding at all, it was down. It would still have to factor in the possibility that that was one of these old-fashioned DNS servers that didn't support eDNS zero, and try sending in another query, which is a huge waste of time. So every time, basically, a DNS server got a timeout, it would retransmit without this eDNS zero information, which meant that everybody's name resolution on the internet had to slow down in order to accommodate these old broken DNS servers and the possibility that it was one of these old DNS servers on the other end of the line not responding to an eDNS zero flagged query. Gotcha. Now, the internet is as big as anyone ever predicted. There's probably more than a million people right now using Windows 95. (laughs) So, what are some of the things we could expect that's going to be impacted by this change? Well, the internet community, the DNS community in particular, did a fair amount of work in advance of that first flag day to kind of understand how big an effect it would have, how many of these old and broken DNS servers are there out there on the internet. And they even located particular operators of these DNS servers, and they let them know, hey, look, you guys are running these old and broken DNS servers. You ought to upgrade, do something about this before this DNS flag day. And of course, we publicized DNS flag day to the extent that we could. After DNS flag day and and after we started removing the accommodations for those old DNS servers, actually, there wasn't that big an effect. I think you know, if you ask the average user of the internet, they would say, DNS flag what? <laughs> <laughs> so I think the crucial question that we're getting at is how does this impact security? Is it better for security? In the case of the first DNS flag day, it, it was really more about performance. It was really more about speeding up name resolution performance. But the second DNS flag day, the one that's coming in 2020, that one is partly about security. Fantastic. So that leads immediately to my next question. Let's discuss DNS Flag Day 2020. What's happening? So this one is somewhat different. Basically, DNS queries and responses, when they're carried over UDP, the user datagram protocol, they can be pretty large. They can be, say, 4K in size or so. And now with changes on the internet, the introduction of something called the DNS security extensions, um, responses get larger and larger. You have more and more data that you need to pack into these DNS messages and carry them between DNS servers. The problem is that if you get a really large DNS message and you try to send it over UDP, it can be fragmented. It can exceed the MTU, the maximum transmissible unit, on the path between two DNS servers. And if it's fragmented, there are two possibilities, two bad possibilities. One of them is the possibility that the fragments don't arrive. So that obviously causes problems. You have a querier who says, hey, I'm interested in this data. The responder tries to send back a bunch of data. It doesn't fit into a single IP packet, and so it has to be fragmented. You never get some of the fragments, and you have to you know, retransmit. So that's one possibility. The other possibility is that somebody could actually spoof some of those fragments. IP fragmentation is not particularly secure. And there's a possibility that somebody can, can basically say, all right, I, I can tell that this has been fragmented, so I'm going to inject some of the later fragments and make up maybe a, a response. 
So that's sort of the issue that we're dealing with. And the way that we're dealing with it in DNS Flag Day 2 or DNS Flag Day 2020 is to ratchet down the maximum size of a DNS message that uh, a DNS server will, will send over UDP. So basically, we're going to say, we're going to ratchet it down to something like, I think uh, the recommendation is about 1,232 bytes. They're going to say, all right, that's as much as you can send over, over UDP. DNS messages of that size should not induce fragmentation. And that should both solve the problem with uh, fragments not getting through and the potential security issue of having somebody spoof a fragment. Gotcha. So this is DNS Flag Day 2020. If this is successful, do you see the possibility for more DNS Flag Days? Sure. You know, DNS carries a lot of tech debt around with it. Uh, because it's a protocol that's been around for, for 30 plus years now, and goodness, I've been involved with it that long, uh, <laughs> there are lots and lots of old and broken implementations of DNS servers out there. And people who write DNS servers, people who develop DNS servers, in some cases, have to bend over backwards in order to accommodate those old implementations. And this is, uh, you know, these two flag days have been sort of the beginning of those developers and those operators saying, okay, we're going to start to remove some of those accommodations uh, in order to make the internet safer, in order to make DNS perform better, and generally for the betterment of, of everybody who uses the internet. The better internet sounds good for pretty much everybody. Now, I always like to finish my podcast. What is the key takeaway you want people to remember about DNS Flag Day? Well, I mean, I think that the, the most important things about the two DNS Flag Days are that these are efforts coordinated by the DNS community. It's not any one company or organization that's undertaking this. And they are, are public-spirited efforts to make DNS work better. And if they're successful, then in the case of the first DNS Flag Day, DNS is faster, faster to fail in the event of a timeout, faster name resolution in general. Um, for the second one, should be more reliable and should be more secure. Faster sounds good. Cricket, you really <laughs> seem to know your DNS stuff. This is Peter Schof of Threat Talk speaking with Cricket Lou of Infoblox. For listeners who want more information on this and many other topics, I recommend going to the Infoblox website and go to the tab resources and you'll find numerous white papers, blogs, and podcasts. I'd like to thank listeners for joining me on another Threat Talk podcast. Thank you very much. And thank you very much, Cricket. Thanks, Peter. You've been listening to Infoblox Threat Talk. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about maintaining a secure, always-on network that enables digital transformation, visit www.infoblocks.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.